Pissy me rolling. Doug's like, and we're rolling. Crash. (laughs) It's time. Gonna burn this fucker down. Welcome to another episode of Let's Rewatch, the show where we like to watch movies we loved in our youth and see if they're actually still any good. I'm Nick. I'm Brett. I'm Sam. And I'm Ash. And we're joined by a guest this week. We're joined by Laura Haratunian. Lauren Haratunian. Lauren. Oh, (laughs) I was so focused on that last name. Yeah. You got one of them right, though. Yeah. Like, I focus on one thing. (laughs) So, Lauren, you are a cinematographer with Rocket Mm -hmm. Jump. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I should say the or a cinematographer. You probably have Um, a pretty big crew over there. One of the main cinematographers. We work with John Salmon a lot as well. He did all of VGHS, and he's great. Okay. Video Game High School. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're fans. Uh, Ash is a super-duper fan of Rocket (laughs) Jump. Oh, just... Call me out. Just call me uh, I, out. <laughs> I think it's pretty accurate. It is. Don't, it is. <laughs> don't be ashamed. Now, you guys do a ton of just really what feels like very, very high-quality productions. We try. Yeah. <laughs> o- online. And- I'm, I would say, in my opinion, Rocket Jump has stepped up the internet game significantly. Oh. Yeah. I mean, you know, even just with video game high school, I think, I think because of the content that you guys make, people take video or like online video more seriously because it's like oh it can be at this level cool Mm -hmm. yeah is there a specific youtube channel for rocket jump or for the different shows it's called rocket jump well well, it just occurred to me as we're talking like i haven't checked to see is there like a dedicated youtube yeah there's we're kind of all over the place now we have our main channel rocket jump we have rocket jump 2 which has a lot of our behind the scenes okay um we have rocket jump film school which i created and then we have uh two shows on hulu right now Mm -hmm. oh that's right you were telling me about that ash yeah rocket jump the show and then it's Dimension, Dimension 404. Mm-hmm. That's our new like did sci-fi anthology. No, I did not. Oh, okay. I've been meaning to ask you because I yeah. was curious. Yeah. But what you have put a lot of work into, and I want to hear you talk about the film school, Rocket Jump Film School. Yeah. Um, that started in 2015. Um, and I had been wanting to do just cinematography tutorials just because there's um, – there's not a lot of women teaching cinematography. I wanted mm. to to put something out there that had a woman behind the camera talking about this stuff. And I pitched it at Freddie and he was like, well, why don't we just do everything? Rocket Jump does everything. So let's just like teach everything. And I was like, okay. Um, so I created a pitch, uh, pitched it to Freddie and Matt and all the guys. And they allowed me to create it with um, our producer, Cherish Chen, and our editor slash video director, uh, Joey Skoma. Um, and it's just kind of like the three of us, um, mm. and we're trying to make film education accessible and easy to understand and really fun. Cause when I was doing research for, for, uh, video tutorials, I wanted to claw my eyes out cause it was just <laughs> a lot of monotone talking, yeah. very long 20 to 30 minute videos. Mm. And I was like, 
there's got to be a better way to do this. Yeah, I found, especially on YouTube, there's a lot of garbage and a lot of yes. really great stuff. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's hard to sift through and find the good stuff. Yeah. And the the interesting thing I found is that you may know film really well, but teaching is his own skill. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I was able to bring to it is I taught film for um, a couple years, actually. I was teaching at Colorado Film School, and I also mm-hmm. taught at a nonprofit called the Binning Family Foundation, which worked with alternative learning youth and summer programs and that stuff. So I learned how to translate film into like teenager um, and into normal (laughs) human speak. It's like, what does that actually mean though? Um, So that's what I was kind of able to bring to it. I was able to translate. Um, And again, accessibility is my big thing. I was like, I want to make this less scary. I want to make it less intimidating. I want people to see themselves behind the camera, which is a big reason why I was like, we need to show women teaching and filming and doing all of that stuff. So um, that's like my, it's my baby. That's awesome. awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks. And as people are listening to this, they may be wondering, who is this for? Is this for people shooting with a red camera? Is this people shooting with, you know, a cheap DSLR? Is it focused towards any level of production Um, or equipment? It's mostly focused on, so our big thing is you can make a movie no matter what you have on hand. You can make a movie with your iPhone. You can make a movie on a red camera. Um, But you shouldn't be afraid to try something because you don't have the equipment. So we focus mostly on story and how, the tech side of it supports the story side of it. So it's less about what camera do I choose and more why would I choose this camera? What am I trying to do with it? What am I doing with my story? Um, so it's more about the the how and why rather than the what. Um, we don't want people just like, this is how we did it, so you can do it exactly this way. It's more like I want to empower filmmakers to know why we're making certain decisions and what choices they have um, and learn how to make their own creative decisions. So it's very storytelling basics that kind of get glossed mm-hmm. over on most tutorials. Equipment mm-hmm. agnostic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like if you know how to light something um, for what you want for your camera, whatever camera you're using, you're going to know how to light. So whether it's an iPhone or a red camera, um, yeah. it doesn't matter if it, if you, your lighting looks like a glamour shot and you're shooting like a, a, a dark, scary scene, like there's the disconnect there. It doesn't matter <laughs> what your camera's not going to make that look good. Yeah, yeah definitely. Awesome. And I, I mean, when I went to the one that you guys had here in LA, I'm sure you've had multiple, but the one I went to was with Brian Forrest was there because he's a friend mm-hmm. of mine. Yeah, we and did some panels at uh, Los Angeles Public Library. Yeah, yep. and the you guys had the um, <clears throat> costume person from Video Game High School. I don't remember her name. Uh, Lane McGovern. Right, yeah. yeah. And she was great because she was talking about how to tell story through the costumes mm-hmm. and, and to not have boring costumes. And she was giving tips about like going to thrift stores and stuff like that. So yeah, I, th- I think they're very like low budget. You're very low budget yeah. conscious. Yeah. All the decisions you make creatively are made easier by expensive equipment. But yeah. <laughs> if you know what decisions you have to make, you can do the same thing with a smaller budget. It's like mm-hmm. everything we want to teach applies to all levels unless it's a very specific software thing or whatever but we try to avoid that so you mentioned the panels at the la public library but Mm -hmm. the content is really distributed on the web this is not an in-person classroom thing this is all on youtube it's all free we haven't enabled ads we just want people to 
get what they want and get out. <laughs> that's awesome. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So, yeah, I, I think that you will bring quite a bit of expertise to, to talking about our so. movie today. <laughs> <laughs> that's exciting. Um, and so, of course, our movie today is that Spielberg classic, which we have to decide on right now. The Twilight Zone, the movie. <laughs> I thought we'd I thought we'd play a little game here and kind of figure out because Lauren, when when you t- were talking to us, you said you wanted to watch a Spielberg movie, mm-hmm. and you said literally any Spielberg movie. Well, they took you seriously. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and now that table is open. <laughs> so we're actually going to decide this right now. So why Spielberg? Would you say Spielberg is a huge influence? Um, it's just kind of like. Spielberg is one of those masters, and he's also one of those directors that really shaped my childhood and the movies I watched. I think with- that's so true for all of us. Yeah, especially without me realizing it. Like the thing mm, I like about Spielberg is that his filmmaking is so so supportive of story that you don't realize what he's doing until afterwards. Even after all of my time in film school and and watching films like with a critical eye, like I forget mm-hmm. why I'm watching a movie when I'm watching Spielberg. And that's major. Like yeah. for anybody who has made films, you know, like anybody else, listeners out there, if you're a filmmaker, you know that you go to see a movie and a lot of times a lot of stuff is ruined for you just yeah. because, especially when you know story structure so well, mm-hmm. you're like, well, that person dies in five minutes, you know, or whatever. And yeah. and to be able to actually, like I just recently saw, and I won't say too much because I know Nick hasn't seen it yet, but I just recently saw Baby Driver and it was that experience for me where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not looking at it with a critical eye, I was just able to enjoy the brilliance of the movie. After we got out of that movie last night, I told Brett, I literally became self-aware during that movie with my fingernails in my mouth. And I was like, ah, that's what they mean by nobody. Ah." We call that Judgment Day, the day that Sam became (laughs) self-aware. And she launched a nuclear missile strike. (laughs) Thanks, Edgar Wright. I think we would all agree Spielberg is our childhood. And I mm-hmm. think Stranger Things is, you know, really a illustrates. Love letter to him. Yeah. yeah. It, it makes it clear how important Steven Spielberg and uh, Stephen King were to our childhoods. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the magic of why we all love and talk about Stranger Things all the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think, yeah, the phrase literally any Steven Spielberg movie is completely appropriate for this show. Yeah. So I thought what might be fun, I think we've all got Spielberg's IMDb list open. Oh, I don't. Hold on. Well, you should. Sorry. Um, And I think we should not choose anything newer than 15 years old. Um, So anything from 2002 or earlier, I think, is fair game. I feel like this is going to be hard. I'm just going to be honest. Well, I think what we should do is each of you should try and make a case for which movie you want to do. And then Lauren makes the ultimate decision. Oh, and I want to give no pressure, Lauren. (laughs) And I want to give everybody an opportunity to do. Wait, does it have to be a movie he directed? Yes, go to the director list. Yeah, we're not going to do Back to the Future. He's producer on that. We have already done Hook. We have already done Hook. Hook Mm -hmm. And if there's anything on here that anybody wants to instantly veto. I'm going to say Jurassic Park and Saving Private Ryan only because I know they're good. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't think we should buckle in for Private Ryan right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's Well, yeah. my day just drastically changed as I watch 
Ooh, gosh, there are so many. Can I, can we read some of them out just so the list? Sure. Yeah. So there's ET, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Jaws. For those of you who don't know Steven Spielberg. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, well, some of the lesser remembered ones, like Catch Me If You Can, Minority Report. Yeah. Amistad is his, Mm -hmm. you know, and people don't think about that. Oh, Empire of the Sun is so good too. Okay. I think I I have mine. I'm not going to straight up veto this, but I would suggest we lean away from Close Encounters because the group of us watched yeah, that very recently. That. Yeah. Which it was phenomenal. It was great. It, it, for me, I remember people had differing opinions. Do you want to make a case for it? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I don't. I think it's too fresh in my mind for me to watch again. Well, but. if I can come out of the gate, because I've. I, was thinking about this because I right. put the, the plan yeah, you, together. You start us. <laughs> I want to make a case for E.T. Okay. E.T. Mm-hmm. is, you know, it was 1982. I would have been four years old. I think it was 82. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was the age to first start understanding what movies are, what storytelling was. And I've talked about this a lot in this podcast. That's the movie, one of the core movies that was told from the child's perspective I'll always remember Peter Coyote's character for most of the movie. You only see his keychain on his belt mm-hmm. because that's what the kids would see. And it's it's so that told from the child's perspective. And it's just a beautiful movie. And I think Ash hasn't seen E.T. No, I have seen you E.T. Have. Okay. And that was actually the one I was going to choose too. Interesting. I have seen E.T., I saw E.T. when I was a child, and it's a weird one for me to pick because as a child, it frightened me. Mm-hmm. I was, like, afraid of the scene yeah. with the men in the suits, the white mm-hmm. suits, and they came in. I remember that terrifying – I was – like Sam, I was horrified of aliens as a child. And – um, and but I have not seen it since then. So I'm very wow. interested because I know okay. it's this iconic film that it's really shaped so many people. I would personally like to see it again. And Lauren, you can feel free to make a case for a movie yourself. You're not just the judge. Yeah, you can pick one and and talk about <laughs> yeah, what. Which one you want, Lauren? Um, I really, uh, I would make a case for a Minority Report. Okay. Um, just because it has held up really well. Um, okay. and I love, uh, same with ET. I love Spielberg and science fiction together mm-hmm. as a package. Um, it might be eerily relevant today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have not seen yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, you haven't seen it. Mm-mm. Oh, that would be interesting yeah. then. Well, I was, I was just reading about it recently, which is why it's in my mind about how, um, that movie, the reason it holds up is, is because it's not about the, the, gadgets and the future technology it's about surveillance mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. what that means and the the you know future crime and what does that mean and it's like it's more about like the thought experiment rather than yeah. the actual like sci-fi-esque stuff yeah um, yeah and a young Col- colin farrell mm-hmm. it's colin mm-hmm. farrell in that movie yeah what? I think that was the first time I, I saw Colin vote. Farrell. Yeah. <laughs> well, I changed my vote. <laughs> we on this show are fans of Colin Farrell's eyebrows. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. Hollywood's power eyebrows. Um, okay. Minority Report. That's mm-hmm. a good one. Brett? Yeah, I was thinking about that one, too. But uh, just above it on the list here is Catch Me If You Can. Oh, I know. That one's so good. Is that not too new? I also it's, have not no, seen it. 15. What? Okay. 2002. Like 2002. 2002. Okay. Wow. Um, and I really have a much uh, more simplistic uh, 
uh, pitch for this one, which is that it just sounds fun. (laughs) I think that's true. It was a a, a different angle for Spielberg. I think it's, it's not so heavy. It's very light. Yeah. It doesn't have, uh, unexpected aliens. (laughs) <laughs> that movie was a movie that when i went to film school they showed us scenes from for learning and and there's a scene in that movie in school for learning in school for learning <laughs> thanks <laughs> i sentence good there for the right reason <laughs> um but there's a specific scene in that movie where they cross the line mm-hmm. but spielberg does it in a motivated amazing way that uh, they, I just remember very distinctly watching that scene in class. Mm-hmm. So. Talk about crossing the line. Okay, so for those from a cinematographer, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. one of those rules. And it's a hard, it's a rule that I have met directors and cinematographers that don't necessarily understand it. I don't mm-hmm. know if you have too, Lauren, but yeah, it's it's really hard. It's hard to describe because it's one of those things that looks right or doesn't look right Mm. yes yeah and the best way i've seen it described is if you have two characters talking to each other you draw a line through them and so there's a line so imagine two people standing facing each other talking and there's a line through them and that is the line and you put the camera on one side of the line or the other side of the line whichever side you choose is the side that you're supposed to stick with. So that way, looking eye line stays right. So if person on the left is always looking at person on the right, so they're looking to the right, they need to always, every time we cut to them, be looking to the right. And if person on the right is always looking to the left, they need to be looking on the left. So that's one reason you do it. But also, um, it helps to anchor them in the space. So if you mm-hmm. were to cross the line and suddenly we see a different background behind them, that can be jarring for the audience as well. So that's the best way I can describe it without a physical <laughs> example. Yeah. It's, I think the, the disconnect there is that when you're filming a scene, you know, the room, you know, the layout, you know, where everybody is, but the people who are going mm-hmm. to be seeing your film are not there. So you have to be very clear with where is everyone in relation to each other? Um, what is the geography of that scene? Where are people looking mm-hmm. and when? Um, and so basically you are helping the audience understand what's happening. Yeah. And it's, it's when it's not done well and people do cross the line, it can be jarring when suddenly it's like you're seeing this whole other side of the room you've never seen and you're like, wait, where are they in that space? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. And Tarantino did that in, uh, Inglorious Bastards. Right. Stress. I've been trying to think of where scene. I've seen it. And I, that yeah, might be it. I have where it's seen literally it. like crosses behind somebody's head. Yeah, there's there's a shot, and I can't remember where it was, and it that, hits and you like a ton of bricks. There's a cut, I think. Once the pa- there's a power shift. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, at the the first scene when the milk the the farmer is talking to Land- right. uh, Landau, and the people are hidden below. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's a like, moment he realizes he's lying. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That might be the shot I'm thinking of. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. because <sighs> technically, Nick, if the camera moves. The camera can change. So Mm -hmm. the line can move. So if two characters move through blocking, the line can move with them. And a cam, the camera can move the line by physically moving. So usually crossing the line happens through a cut. I see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if the camera moves. That's where the the rule says don't do that. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because it confuses the audience. If you, if the audience is with you as you cross the line, then they know exactly where they are. Mm -hmm. But if you just cut, 
and you don't know where you jump to in space, it's like, oh, God, what happened? Yeah, yeah. So that worked exactly how I'd hoped. There's your sample of rockets, yeah. rocket jump fills <laughs> from school. This is, this is some of the stuff you get to learn. And I think, I think we have that. We talk about the 180 degree line in one of our videos, and I'm doing a terrible job because I can't remember which one. But it's one of our editing videos that Joey so made. you call it the 180 degree line mm-hmm. that's the, the the real name yeah 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 but you can call it crossing the line yeah um but a lot of people are like what line yeah <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> yes i worked with a director once and it was uh reality tv and it's happens so much in reality tv this mm-hmm. line gets cr- yeah because you're also like i'm taking a shot because I, I was the editor on the show, I'm I'm maybe taking a shot that was shot two days ago, you mm-hmm. know, and putting it in a scene that was shot two days oh, early. You're you know? doing that bullshit thing of making a story that didn't actually happen in that yes, moment. Yes, Nick, all reality TV <laughs> is fake. <laughs> but uh, we'll we'll look up that video and we'll po- we'll tweet it. Oh, great! Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, if I remember which one it is, I'll send it to you. Okay, <laughs> we made a lot of them. Yeah, I'm sure I can search for yeah. it. <laughs> All right, so Sam, you were looking at the list and you were agonizing because you saw too many movies you like. Shit on here. Uh, Can you settle on one? I'm gonna double dip and do two. Uh All right. Okay, I'll give you my vote because I didn't actually bring up a new movie. Oh, I guess we could give you a another. Okay, Okay, so two. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Mm. We know okay. Raiders. Oh, with Sean Connery, is good. right? Sean Connery. Yes. yes. Um, Junior! Junior! <laughs> who is actually younger than Harrison Ford and plays his father. Good shit. What? Really? In that movie? Uh huh. He's yeah. younger than Harrison Ford? That doesn't sound right. In that movie. Or not younger. Maybe he's like only five oh, years older or something. Yeah. I can't remember the details. I've, I've been to the no. church in Venice. Where the library is, and it's been Last so Crusade. long since I've seen it. I don't remember. I remember oh, airplanes. I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah. At the end, the the X marks the spot. I mean, that's not the actual interior, but I've been to that church. So yeah, that's this is pick number one. Pick number two, we talked about doing and haven't done it yet, and I've never seen it. Dun-dun. You've never Dun-dun. seen Jaws? <laughs> no. Wow. Wait, actually, hold on. I might have never seen it either. I might have just seen enough clips to think that I've seen the movie. Yeah, I've certainly seen a lot of clips and stuff. I feel like I might have to veto Jaws because I feel like Jaws, you have the first time you watch it, you have to have like good snacks and you gotta have a dark room and you have to be completely focused on it because it's just like a masterclass. Yeah, Yeah. nice. It would have given you more of your Richard Dreyfus. Oh, he's so good in that movie. Mm -hmm. In fact, actually, that reminds me. Because I just watched, uh, I wanted to bring up, uh, if you are a Spielberg fan, have you heard of Every Frame of Painting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you are a Spielberg fan, you should check out uh, Every Frame of Painting is a YouTube channel. He does like video essays on film. Um, he did one on Spielberg's Wonner and how yeah. he gets multiple shots in one shot. Mm. So very, if you love Spielberg, check that. That blew my mind. I like that, that was, one a lot. That was one that I didn't even realize what's happening in his films yeah that's yeah. that's one of my the right main reasons i love spielberg is you don't realize this is happening mm-hmm. but he just has these mm-hmm. very simple like but very complicated shots that look effortless yeah like i've said with robert zemeckis how he does visual effects and you never know he's doing visual yes. effects mm-hmm. yeah it, mm-hmm. they're just so solid and so perfect and he's just telling a story yeah, yeah. these are like yeah. a masterpiece of blocking and camera movement 
yeah. All right, Lauren, while you're deliberating, I wanted to talk <laughs> briefly about what might be my favorite Spielberg movie. That's not released yet. That's not out yeah. yet. <laughs> so have you guys seen this picture from Ooh. Ready Player One? Yeah. So you've all, you've all seen it? I have now. They, they've released <laughs> the first still from Ready Player One. This is a book that I absolutely love. And so now, as, as what happened with Jurassic Park probably 20 years ago, I'm sitting here nervously thinking, <laughs> well, Spielberg's awesome, but what's he going to do to this book I love? Mm-hmm. So you guys have seen the picture. What do you think? Is it? Have you read the book, Lauren? I actually haven't read that. Oh, it's, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend. I, I saw the picture, and first off, my boyfriend Bryce showed me the picture, and he didn't tell me what it was from. He was just like, check this out. Oh. And it like looks that. so perfectly 80s yeah. that I was like, are they like redoing Back to the Future or something? It like took me a few <laughs> seconds to like notice well, the VR mask. It looks like mask. a Spielberg shot. The yes, way it's exactly. Backlit, it's so that floodlight behind him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It perfectly looks like you know a classic Spielberg film. So I just instantly was like, are they redoing an old Spielberg? Oh wait. It also looks exactly like what I thought it looked like in the book. Oh really? Very small, very light VR goggles. The haptic gloves. Mm-hmm. His cluttered mm-hmm. little. Uh, trailer that he lives in during the day. Yeah, it's it's a awesome book. Uh, if if anybody hasn't read it, highly recommend you read it right now because it's yeah. an interesting time to be reading this book. This book was written what was it five or more yeah, years ago right. before VR was even a big thing. The book's all about VR and like the future what the future can be for VR, like a future you've never really imagined. And it's also about the movies and music that we loved in our youth. Yes. It's very much about that. There's that too. But it's, it's all about this future where everybody works in VR. Like everybody goes to school in VR. Everyone goes to school in VR. It's this whole future that you've never, like I didn't even realize that VR could be that. And it's interesting to read it now at the beginning of VR, like yeah. blossoming into what it could be. And another fun trivia fact is the people who work at Oculus that make the Oculus Rift. Is the company called Oculus or is the products just called Oculus? Well, Google bought them, but oh. I think originally it was just called Oculus. So no, not Google, Facebook bought them. Every time someone's hired there, they're given a copy of this book because this book <laughs> inspired them to yeah. make the Oculus. And in Ernest Klein's second book, Armada, he literally says Oculus, like, the kit oh, everybody he? uses. He just says <laughs> Oculus. He's and, like, you know what? I'll give it to you guys. <laughs> yeah. If you read the book, I highly recommend with any Ernest Klein book, have your phone, your, your Apple Music subscription or Spotify or whatever you use. Every time a song is mentioned, play the song, listen to that song during that scene. It's a soundtrack for the book. And it's glorious to read a book that way. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about Ready Player One. All right, Lauren. So, yeah. So, what do you think of of our suggestions here? Oh, man. It's so hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay if you want to pick your suggestion, too. We won't judge you. Maybe a little bit, but not (laughs) If you want to defer to more conversation. But I thought it was only polite to let our guest Um, have the ultimate say. I mean... Honestly, now that it's been mentioned, I think The Last Crusade would be super fun. Yeah. 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 I like that one, too. I I will say that Raiders of the Lost Ark is one of my favorite of all times. It's one of those perfect movies. Oh yeah. And you've, you've heard the thing about Raiders, how, uh, 
if Indiana Jones was not in that story, everything that happened still would have happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Nazis would have gotten the Ark. They would have taken it to that island. They would have opened it up and melted their faces yeah. off. But it's still a perfect movie to you. It's, yeah. it's, it's a great movie. Yeah. Despite that major flaw. Nick, yeah. I have something to tell you mm-hmm. and to our guests. Um, the Hollywood Bowl is doing Raiders of the Lost Ark with the Philharmonic Live Orchestra. Oh, man. When? And that's, if we're watching or- Last Crusade, we'll, we'll benefit from this too. But John Williams, man. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's yep. like most of Spielberg movies anyway, but. Mm-hmm. Okay. If we do, uh, Last Crusade, you have to let me talk a little bit about Venice. Okay. <laughs> there's a huge section of this movie in Venice, and I've been oh, yeah. to. Well, that'll be places. even better because you were just there. So yeah. Uh, so are we? Is we that decided? your is that your is choice, that your, Lauren? You yeah. want to do Last All Crusade? Right. Do, do we it. get quick, quick thoughts? Uh, expectations. Yeah, quick expectations. What do you expect, Ash? Um, I'm expecting to love it because I mean it has two of my favorites, Sean Connery and Harrison Ford. So it's a done deal. That's it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Brett, I have a a memory problem with the Indiana Jones movies because when I was young, we would sit down and always watch all of them in order. Like, really? Like it, where it was like always two at a time at least. So mm. I don't know what happens in each one. Uh, <laughs> it's like this: good, bad, good, garbage. <laughs> is it? Uh, well, no, I wouldn't okay. say Temple of Doom is bad. I love Temple I, of Doom. I think Doom. it's yeah. just mediocre, in my yeah. opinion. Temple of Doom. It's guess, better yeah. than most movies now that I think about it, but <laughs> compared to Raiders yeah. and Crusade. So, like, yeah, I know what, what's in Raiders, but uh, I, I kind of get Crusade is lost in there a little okay. bit. So, yeah, I mean, I know I love the indie stuff, uh, but I, for the life of me, I cannot remember what the hell happens in this movie. Okay. I know. So, it lands somewhere <laughs> in that, like, not as good as Raiders. Not as m- mediocre as Temple of Doom, but all I remember is like plane fights on the ground ish. Mm. I think mm. it's it's and- interesting that you say not as good as Raiders. It makes me think of Star Trek Two and Star Trek Six. You know, Six is not quite as good as Two, but mm-hmm. god damn, it's good. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> well, good. I'm excited because I don't remember too much about it, which okay. is why I want to watch it. I will say I remember a lot of comedy. Between Sean Connery and Harrison Ford, that like I'm physical for. comedy, right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. What What do you expect from this, Lauren? Um, I just like I always like want to watch Spielberg movies just to see blocking and direction and like the really cool, well choreographed like action scenes. I love when he does action, but I I'm expecting that I'll just get sucked into it and not pay attention to that at all. <laughs> yeah, just because it'll Let, be fun. Let's watch the cinematography, and then you just like, don't. Nope. Nope. It's just into the story. <laughs> But that's good, right? That means mm-hmm. they did a good job. That's the point, really. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I think there's... I forget which director. It might have been Soderbergh that put Raiders of the Lost Ark up on online in black and white with an ambient soundtrack just to encourage people to watch the blocking. Oh. And it helps a lot because you don't get sucked into the story as much because right. it's like it doesn't have the usual music. It doesn't have the sound. Yeah. It's just black and white, silent, ambient. And you just watch how Spielberg sets up character and blocking and action and geography. And it's just like, Oh, so good. So if you can watch Spielberg movies on mute, um, 
just to Study. to learn. Watch it normally first. Yes. Yeah. Then, <laughs> then, if you're a student, watch it on yeah. mute a, a second film time. Student. That's interesting because yeah. the, the uh, uh, sort of a similar thing with that I did in film school with Alien mm-hmm. is we turned off the screen and just listened to the sound because the sound design is so yeah. good. We did the yeah. opposite of that in my school. Oh, really? Which is they gave us the scene with no sound effects and we were told to put them in. Oh, Oh man! A lot of fart noises. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean we the were atheists. we were animators, but no, they okay. took we took it seriously. Goat noises and <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, I'm I'm excited. I'm into seeing Last Crusade. So at this point, you might want to pause the podcast, watch Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade from 19... uh, (laughs) 89, the year I was born. Oh, I would have said 91 or 92. Okay, 1989. And join us again when you finish watching the movie. That's pretty tight right there. Yeah. I feel like you were doing it in rounds. Yeah. Nick, you are a resident artist. I forgot to tell you, Brett, what you did with um Top Gun. Yeah. Oh my god. That was so good. I'm so glad you actually heard that. Yeah. I I keep forgetting to say something. So that was The Last Crusade. That was a pretty goddamn good movie. Yeah. 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 There's no denying. I think we should address... End of podcast. Yeah. I think we should address the elephant in the room, though, that this movie took a lot from The Mummy mummy. and um, (laughs) A Knight's Tale. Because there was a jousting. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I I really feel like there were some people watching this movie, and as soon as the credits rolled, they started writing The Mummy. Yeah, Yeah. totally. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Even like, you know, when Sal is like, we have to get camels. They're like, oh, we're writing that into our movie. They're going to write camels. <laughs> camels. Yeah. Which are faster than horses. Yeah, Sam Sam was screaming that out during... She's mm-hmm. like, they are faster. You should get them, Indy. <laughs> but when the, the Brotherhood shows up on screen, I'm like, oh, these guys were in The Mummy. Yeah. yeah. So I, I have a question, though. Is, is, like, Indiana immortal now? Uh, this is exactly my question. And it always kind of bothered me. Is it... The fact that they then crossed the seal, does that mean he's not immortal? But if that's the case, wouldn't the father just drop dead? Well, exactly, right? N- no. It's that the, the magic doesn't work, any, like, from the cup or whatever. So, like, if you're already healed, then, like, why would that matter? So he doesn't yeah. live forever, but he is healed and, yeah. by yeah, the way, has yeah. a bullet and inside of him. And I think you have to keep drinking from the cup every yes. once in a while and this too. is this uh. is my major problem with that scene at the end where they're choosing the cup is they're like which cup is the one that's the right cup and it's like well maybe it's the one that looks like it's been drunk out of for 700 years without being clean <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> i mean that guy I, kept a pretty tight ship he probably washed all those glasses that cup probably. looked gnarly if you had 700 <laughs> years in one room and like one book you fucking washed the shit out of those chalices because I was, I was just gonna circle back to the, the idea of like Indy 
being immortal, that would explain how he survived that fridge scene in the newest oh. Indiana Jones movie. Oh. Maybe it finally makes it make sense. So he's actually splattered inside of that fridge, and then he's just the immortal. Power of he the can't grail die. Reformed yeah. him. Yeah. The power of Christ propelled him. <laughs> wow. Oh. <laughs> Lauren does not approve. <laughs> Are you saying that the person who shot the nuke was Christ? <laughs> <laughs> because that's a little blasphemous. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> oh my god, take it all back. <laughs> Speaking of blast, this movie had all the things you love, Nick, like boats exploding randomly. Yeah. <laughs> At least there weren't any cars exploding. Well, Wait, there probably was. The though. motorcycles yeah. didn't explode. Oh. But the boat definitely exploded. For no reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let, let's start at the beginning because I think had we just watched the first section of this movie, we'd have a podcast. Yes. The, the, what I'm thinking of as the unofficial pilot for young Indiana Jones. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, River Phoenix knocked it out of the park. Oh, that was River Phoenix. Yeah. Aww. So sad. <laughs> Sorry. He it's been a while. Nailed the delivery and the yeah. the intonation and the facial expressions and the kind of grumpy. Yeah. He simultaneously <laughs> was River Phoenix and Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't like he did an amazing impression of a young Harrison Ford while still being River Phoenix. Yeah. He's such such a great performer. Yeah. Yeah, he really nailed, like, even his face, like, kind of, like, I would believe that he was a younger Harrison Ford. I was really confused at first. I was like, wait, did they put a lot of makeup on Harrison Ford? Oh, wait, I remember. (laughs) Which, by the way, I kept thinking, because it's still early in the movie, what you were saying, Lauren, about blocking. And Mm -hmm. just the brilliance of we're supposed to think that the treasure hunter is Indiana Jones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the way he sits down and the, the, the hat is still barely covering his face mm-hmm. and clearly they cast like the perfect guy but just the way they revealed by him tilting his face up just yep. enough so you can see his face well that's what i wanted Ugh. to talk about straight up is all the reveals of like all yeah. the joneses and the fake jones yeah because mm-hmm. we don't see river phoenix until he comes into his light yeah um and that's how i think in Raiders, they also did a very slow reveal of Indiana first. Yeah. Like, you don't see him. He has to come into the light. Yeah. Um, and then the first thing we see of Henry Jones is his shadow on the wall. He hits mm. Indiana over the head and he steps into his light again. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, uh, grown Indiana, there's the, the transition from the young kid's hat to his hat and he tilts up and mm-hmm. his face is revealed as well. So all four, Indiana characters or Jones characters had that like iconic hero just reveal, reveal. Mm-hmm. which yeah. was just great. I loved it. And I love that the first one was a fake out. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's great. And, and they very specifically did not put the date on the screen mm-hmm. until after that reveal. Yeah. You mentioned shadows too. That was something that I was really noticing in this film. Like Spielberg really played a lot with shadows. Like there's mm-hmm. one scene where it's raining and you know it's raining outside because you're seeing the the light from a window and the shadow of like the rain washing down the window in the background. Mm. Yeah. You know, he did a lot with shadows that I'd never really noticed before. Yeah. yeah. And so many like just they're so quick, they're so easy to miss, but just sparks of brilliance. The the farce of spinning around in the fireplace. <laughs> and this great point at the end where 
where Indy is there, it spins around, you hear a punch, it spins around, and there's a Nazi just falling yes. down. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> when when near the end, when they start shooting them down in the canyon, and Donovan falls down, he has to move the door of the truck away from his face to say, it's Jones. Yeah. You know, just little movements like that are just so genius. The thing I like about Spielberg... And I think this is why he's so good with kids too, mm. is that he allows things to be kind of messy. When, okay. he, when, especially with Indiana, the thing I love about Indiana Jones is he's not like the cool badass. Yeah. We think he's a cool badass because we grew up with him, but he's so, um, just scrambling by the seat of his, yes. like he's flying mm-hmm. by the seat of his pants. He's goofy. He's falling over. He, when he launches himself at somebody, they both fall over. Like, yeah. Um, his there whole is, thing struggling with the gun and he shoots three guys and he's just yeah, like, and oh my like, god. His reactions, like he's surprised <laughs> when it happens. Like that makes him and all the action that's happening super relatable and super believable because mm-hmm. yeah. he's, he's struggling and it feels like real stakes because we're not watching some like supreme badass like take a bunch of guys down and get hit in the face and not have any reaction. Yeah, like Indiana Jones takes on. a pummeling and he just is dazed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so like, even though the action is not like it's dated in the sense of how it's shot and the pacing of it. And it does um, like make sure the audience is with you every step of the way, which I really like. It is in a lot of fast cuts and shaky mm-hmm. cam and very close stuff. Um, it feels just as tense or more tense because we are so invested in it. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. just, just because of the characterization and how the, it's choreographed, but also the, how the characters come into the fighting style and how it's shot and like oh it's just so good like i'm i've seen this movie a lot and i'm still like oh my god like every single time i watch it speaking of the pacing it felt more vintage than 1989 Mm-hmm. It felt more like a '60s Bond movie, yeah, mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Than but it didn't 80s feel movie. slow in the way that no. some can feel slow and boring. Yeah, still completely engaged while not being over the top, super fast like what totally. we'd have today. But even like the colors that they chose, yeah, felt the color very, is so like, on point in this 60s. movie. Mm-hmm. Like even no, the yeah. fact that it's like uh, he jumps on the train, but it's like a circus, like the classic yeah. old, mm-hmm. you know, Which, '30s. Circus. By the way, I want to have a jazz band called Magic Caboose. Yeah, <laughs> that just sounds like a sexual innuendo. <laughs> That's just such an awesome phrase. But yeah, the, like when they were in Donovan's apartment, yeah, or yep. like the the cool like nineteen thirties university. You know, it's mm-hmm. like the color just really told those stories. Totally, and even like the hotel room, yeah, that got ransacked. Like that felt very sixties to me in the way it was shot. Yeah. Which I like because if they had shot it like a 80s or 90s movie, it wouldn't have felt as like old, mm-hmm. you know. You said something about to circle back to what you were talking about the the fighting style of Indiana. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of the fighting style of Jackie Chan mm-hmm. where like again he's like this to- he is a badass and we think he's a badass but he's also kind of like just scrambling and using whatever he has, yeah. which creates the humor in and his reacting style. and reacting. I think yeah, it's the reactions that really like sell it. Mm-hmm. It's just like they're surprised when something actually works. Yeah, Where, not like yeah, I meant to do that. It was just kind of like whoa. Where the filmmakers clearly dumped in a ton of work and planning 
to make it look so messy and scattered. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not a, let's see what happens yeah. type of thing. That is like, that takes some really precision choreography. Yeah. Like in the castle, when the Nazis finally get the upper hand and Indy throws the gun on the table, but it slides across the table and breaks oh, glasses. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's just a beautiful shot. It's, in the story, it's just messy, mm-hmm. but the way it's shot, it's like, mm, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, because it could have just been a blank table, but something about the glass gave it more yeah. impact, and, and even the slide and the breaking glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of that. You were you were talking though. I, I do want to go back to the intro because okay. I completely forgot about that whole intro scene with Young Indiana Jones, and yeah. it was like so awesome to watch it again. Pretty much almost with like a fresh like yeah. I don't remember it at all. And I have never seen, you know, to this day, we've seen many chase scenes on top of a train, right? Like, you've seen that so many times. I've never seen one like that before. Yeah, it was, I keep thinking about where he grabs whatever that arm is that swings around. Oh, yeah. And he comes back down, and boom, there's the treasure hunter right in his face. Yeah, like, every "Mm." step of the way, Spielberg, and not just in that, like throughout the whole movie, every step of the way, Spielberg found a way to up the stakes to a point that I just would have never, like he slides into the train and there's freaking alligators under him. Like never would (laughs) have thought of that, you know, myself. Boxes of snakes. Yeah. Like never would have come to me. But that's the thing. And I'm, I kind of have a problem with it. And I'm curious what you guys think that it did fall very quickly into the, the prequel problem. You know, it's like, Okay, we're going to connect all these dots. Look, that's how he has the scar on his chin. Ha ha. Here's why he hates snakes. Ha ha. And it was like such the prequel thing all within like 10 minutes. Like they're trying to connect so many dots. I guess that's what I like. One very important day. (laughs) Yeah. This is what defines him. He got his hat. He got his whip. He got his scar. He got his fear of snakes. Oh, yeah. I guess mm -hmm. I can see your point there. Yeah. But in in like movie world, though, it was pretty... In my opinion, pretty well done because, like, it could have been. It didn't feel contrived to me. Like, it yeah. could have been contrived, but all of it because was it was motivating. so well executed. Yeah, and it was yeah. so fast. I think what would have pushed it into the prequel feeling type thing is if he, he had like a snarky comment every time something like that happens, like a yeah. little one liner. That would have like ruined it. Yeah, yeah. That would be intolerable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think because they were aware of what they're doing and like took it seriously, I think it plays because it's like this film's like, yeah, this is what happened. Not like yeah. it's not a wink at the audience. It's like, no, here's what's here's what's going yeah. on. But they were having fun. They were having it's, fun. It was yeah. very fun. But I don't think it was pandering fun. I think it was like yeah. you're in on you're in on it with the filmmakers rather than the filmmakers being like, oh, you think you'll think this is funny. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. yeah. And being the the pulp inspired thing that this is. If it's the material. Yeah. I kind of like this idea of uh, the hat being like what makes Indiana Jones because the only time he's ever bested is by the guy with the hat. And then he gets the hat and is never again bested. This hat contains the power. Yeah. Like the Santa Claus you just put on the (laughs) (laughs) suit. Santa Claus. You can become the Indiana Jones. Yeah. It's passed on through the generations. (laughs) He's like the Phantom. Yeah. It's like it's just passed along. 
So can I tell you my favorite line in this movie? Yeah. Yes. And it's I, you probably missed it because it was so fast when they reveal Brody to be like completely lost in that crowd of people. There's this one little throwaway. <laughs> Somebody has like a bucket of water, and I think he thinks they're offering it to him, and he says, "No, no, no, th- no, thank you. Fish make love in it." What? <laughs> I missed that. I that line so I totally much. missed that. Yeah. I think you were already laughing at something, something else. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, I love that line. It's such a, it's so like, such you a don't drink water transition. because fish make love in it. I mean, yes, but... <laughs> so if you, like, catch it as it's raining down from the sky, you're good. I guess so. But if it comes from a lake or an ocean, no go. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's all the circle of life. I mean, I mean, yeah, all our point. water has like been in a dinosaur or whatever. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I think, my favorite transition in the whole movie. Like Spielberg yes. does transition super well. Yeah. Like um, the thing I love, like you can tell when a transition works because you can kind of imagine what has happened between the two scenes. Like the story's there. Like it, oh, yeah, it, yeah. it kind of like propels itself forward. But that that was just like the best smash cut to yeah. do you think it helps that we've seen in Raiders of the Lost Ark the travel to the Middle East and find Sala and you know we we've kind of seen the path that Brody took that we didn't see in this movie we saw Indy take in Raiders so as soon as we saw him in the middle of a crowd in Cairo or wherever it is we knew the story leading up to that uh-huh. I don't know Maybe, maybe I'm so making... I think it could it could play either way because yeah. you have an extra appreciation for it, but Spielberg's really good about making sure you know where yeah. you are, even if you haven't seen the other ones before. Yeah, he speaks twelve languages. He's got a two day <laughs> head start. He'll disappear. He'll fit in. <laughs> I just love I love per- I love like the bumbling old, old man character, and what mm. I love is that you get two of those characters. <laughs> Yeah. in this movie and them like together is kind of great yeah. too yeah <laughs> yeah i think brody is a, a jewel in this movie we didn't get enough of him in raiders but in this mm-hmm. he's he's fantastic what was that handshake on the tank i don't think that we're supposed to understand it it's oh. just their secret it's college a nerd song secret or- the old oh, man's yeah. club <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I love that they're like they're like the two most nerdy, geeky old men. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> they're they're like stopping in the middle. They're captured by Nazis in a Nazi tank, but they're gonna take the moment to do like a college like hand shape yeah. type thing or whatever it is. Did you see Into Your Future with you and Brett? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> As old people, <laughs> what I I loved about that was like. Both of them are so out of place in Indy's world, but they also add that extra, like, Indy's life is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's like seeing that, like, him deal with all these crazy things and be super into it and know what he's doing. Um, and these two are just like, what is happening? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, look what you did. Yeah. I can't believe what you did. Those were the best reactions from Sean Connery. Yeah. yeah. That whole sidecar just- thing. Yeah, like, putting Sean Connery in a sidecar is brilliant. He's yes. so unhappy And he's blowing it. people up, and he's like, yeah. And then Sean's just like, nah. And he's like winding up his pocket watch. <laughs> that reminds me of, you just reminded me of my favorite line in the movie, is when he's like, they're shooting at us. And Harrison's like, I know, Dad. And he's like, it's just a new experience for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's so me all the time. It just kind of shows just how ridiculous his yeah. whole 
rolled is. It's liked, great. I liked the pen is mightier than the sword, and then he just casually goes and blows up a car. <laughs> like, no, yeah. it's not. Yeah, they kind of came around to killing Nazis pretty quick. Yeah. yeah, it did not take long. I Just to bring the conversation back to what we were talking about in the beginning with the Spielberg oneers. I know there was one in particular I really noticed, and that was when he gets off the boat in Venice, and like it's a wide shot. He gets off the boat, he steps into a close shot, a close up. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of that of Indy mm-hmm. stepping into a close up, and then um, he turns around, and it, we get like a nice medium, and then it pans to a shot of the girl. I can't mm-hmm. remember her name. Elsa, Doctor Nazi woman, Frala, <laughs> Elsa Schneider. But uh, it it was cool to like watch this film looking for them for the oneers. Yeah, so it's, I think what makes those oneers work with Spielberg, and I think that essay, um, every frame of painting touched on this, is that they are different shots. You just don't yes. cut between them, so it's like you have a wide shot, and then they step into an over the shoulder, mm-hmm. and they step into the medium, and they step in. So the blocking itself. You could just do those in separate shots, but they've woven them together so you don't notice it. It feels like yeah. separate shots. Well, you would a- define a one as a long shot that plays without cuts. Mm-hmm. An unusually long shot. It's a long shot yeah. that due to blocking and or camera movement is actually multiple. So it's a close-up, it's a wide, it's a medium you know, without ever cutting. Without ever cutting. Another example is when they they're trying to escape the castle and they run down to where the boats are, and it's a wide shot. Mm. And yeah, Indy looks at you know the boats, and then he steps towards the camera. The camera stays stationary, but he steps towards the camera into a close up, and then he steps back into another wide shot. So somebody pulling focus that whole time. Yes. When he steps into the camera. That's why. And- oh yeah. First ACs are paid a lot of money, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably. I don't know, Lauren. <laughs> good ones. Okay. Good. <laughs> Good one. Well, that's just, it's a really cool way to film a movie because as a viewer, you feel very grounded. Mm -hmm. And then it just, you pay more attention to it, like you were saying. Yeah. I feel like there's a tendency now to do a lot of quick cuts, a lot of Mm -hmm. moving the camera for non-story related reasons. Yeah. And then they're just confusing. Yeah. And it makes all the action believable. Yeah. Because yeah. you're watching all of it happen instead of like cutting to a different pose or. Yeah. And again, that's very much like Jackie Chan style too, because Jackie Chan likes to have all the action in a wide shot so that you see everything. Yeah. And it feels more like you're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're, when you're in closer shots and you're cutting a lot and you're moving the camera, it's usually to hide things. Mm-hmm. You're hiding a stunt person. You're hiding a hit, that, a hit that yeah, doesn't look really quite right. really good in this movie, hiding stunt people. Yeah. Oh yeah, and but like when you allow the camera to just settle and you see everything, that's when it you feel grounded. Like the audience is like, "Oh, this is happening!" Like I'm seeing this unfold. It feels realistic because it doesn't feel like something is being hidden from you. And I think the best version of that ever was the beginning of Boogie Nights. Mm, mm -hmm. That is the oneer to just Mm -hmm. just king oneer of all time. I like, uh, and this is kind of going off of. To another filmmaker, but um, uh, Emmanuel Lubezki is really known for his like okay. single takes with um, uh, just almost like Children of Men and Gravity. Oh and, yeah! But so, but I was watching his older stuff, and he uh, You're has talking done about that the cinematographer. Cinematographer, okay. yeah. Um, he's done that 
with different directors before, but they're a lot simpler. They're more like the Spielberg one. Like mm. one of my favorite ones is the Birdcage, where I love the bird cage. Um, yeah, Nathan Lane and and Robin Williams are just talking in the kitchen, and I didn't notice it the first time around, but it's just one static like medium to wide shot and mm. they just it just lets the actors go and doesn't get in the way and the performances really sing and that's wow. what i noticed here as well as like the comedy sells if you just mm-hmm. s- take the camera <laughs> if you just take the camera out of it and let like the actors do their their magic do whatever they want it's it's, it's like it less is more but that one you're talking about from children of men in mm. the the battle scene that's a completely different type of brilliant. Yeah. Like, I don't even understand how that's possible. Well, that the, they got the only that. reason it worked is because that no one heard Alfonso Cuaron yell cut. Oh, because really? it was the last time they yeah. did it and they were running out of budget and they couldn't, like, this was the last go and blood splashed on the lens, like I the fake blood. That. And Alfonso was like, cut, but an explosion went off at the wrong time and no one heard him. So they kept going oh. and they finished the cu- the scene and um, Emmanuel Bezuki was like, oh, my God, that was amazing. Alfonso was like, what are you talking about? And, and Emmanuel was like, oh, my God, you're crazy. That was like yeah. it. That was the perfect it's thing. It's worth that little blood splatter. Yeah. I remember the blood splatter, but it felt, you know, sure, fake blood hit the camera. But in the story, blood was flying. So. Yeah. 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 So, that yeah, that tangent, but, like, that yeah. was incredible. <laughs> and going back to, you just mentioned the comedy I feel like, uh, and Sam, you mentioned the physical comedy before we saw the movie. And I think mm-hmm. that really helps the physical comedy play, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Just really sing- like almost, you know, Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin-esque physical comedy going on for sure. Yeah. Especially when, I who knew Sean Connery, but I know. man, he was crushing I, that. I would love mm-hmm. to see him in more roles like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. That's hilarious. There's a great shot where he's like in the. No, is I think it was the gunner seat of the airplane, and he kind of ducked down. Yeah, so just his eyes were poking out, <laughs> or just his reaction faces, like when he shoots the tail of the airplane, and he's yeah. like looks back at Andy and like, like oh, you didn't see that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've been hit. Yeah. <laughs> so if you go to Venice, the, um, and there's the bridge that connects. Uh, Campo Santa Margarita with Campo San Barnaba. You walk across that bridge, you will see exactly that boat with the green canopy selling vegetables. Oh, You'll wow. Walk, it is exactly the same boat that's still there. You walk past it, you see the old church of Campo San Barnaba, which is the the library in this movie. So it's and, still a church in real life? Well, now it's been converted to, they've got a Leonardo da Vinci exhibit Mm. Um, where they've reconstructed a bunch of his sketches with wooden models, mm-hmm. which is actually cool. kind of cool. You can like turn the cranks and play with them and stuff. That's so cool. it's not actively a church anymore, but historically it's a church. Oh, okay. So it's that, like that walk they take across that little bridge past that boat selling vegetables, it's all absolutely there. But wow. does it have an X on the floor? No. <laughs> different, <laughs> different interior. Did anybody no. else it, notice, though, that, like, for one shot it had an X, and then for all the other shots it was just green? Yeah. Because that bothered me a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and what it definitely does not have is catacombs below it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's no underneath. Well, how do you know, Nick? You haven't broken through the floor. <laughs> right, but there's a canal right next to it where the water is even with the pavement. 
there's nothing oh. under those buildings except horrifying water. <laughs> and they so. they need to get their tuberculosis injections immediately, Ooh. having been in that water. Ooh. Yeah. Speaking of breaking through the floor, though, I mean, this is I know this has been talked about before, but. He's a terrible archaeologist. <laughs> yeah. he, I don't know. He finds the stuff and puts it in a museum. The floor. He defiled a grave yeah. to make a torch. It, like, well, my favorite part was when he's like, when his dad's like, "So you found the knight with his shield?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I'm thinking, like, yeah. And two seconds later, he threw him into the water. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. Well, to be fair, this is the 1930s. They weren't as careful back then. Is this like the archaeology version of heroic medicine? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're just going to break all the artifacts and just keep the one that you wanted? Sure. Yeah. Break every artifact that gets you to the main artifact? <laughs> These don't belong in a museum. <laughs> I was thinking Seriously. it's interesting that Spielberg took two professions that are very boring, like archaeology and then, um, what's that? You were going to say teaching paleontology, pa- pale- paleontology, paleontology. And like these two professions where it would be very boring. You'd never see action. Nobody would ever be shooting at you yeah. and turn them into, I mean, I guess he's not responsible for writing them, but you know what I mean? He kind of, yeah. it's interesting that yeah. he took these two categories. Like imagine Spielberg making a movie about data entry or something. Yeah. <laughs> it would be, <laughs> that, that was the matrix. Oh, right. but he didn't do that. No, but um. I feel like, I think, and I, this kind of goes back into like Spielberg kind of feeding into our childhood. I feel like that's how like us at 10 years old would want archaeology to be. Oh, totally. It's just like, these, yeah. it's this big adventure and you have to go to these exotic places and like, um, all these stories surrounding the artifacts, like mm-hmm. the mythology, that's what's really interesting about it. So it's like when, when you're a kid and you think about paleontology, it's like, oh, dinosaurs. Yeah. Like, so yeah. Spielberg takes those like urges, like underneath, like all of us and just makes them into this fun. Totally. Thing. Well, you know, there's a version of these stories that would be about a treasure hunter that could be very exciting. Well, it's, but when you I make mean, the character respectful, yeah. then it's a kind little goofy. Uncharted. Right? I mean, I know it's not a movie. It's right. a video game series. But wouldn't you say that he's a treasure hunter? Oh, that, certainly. Yeah, yeah. That's a respectful character. Well. Yeah. Well. Mm, no? Nah. Nah? He, yeah, well, he's, he's more <laughs> of the rapscallion type. Yeah. He's not that bad, but he's not that good. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's a, a lot of why Indiana is, like, such a favorite is because his motivations seem pure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like he's he's punching and killing and stealing and doing all this stuff, but he's like, but he, I'm preserving history. Yeah. yeah, and it's like nerdy enough that you're like, yeah, <laughs> I want to preserve history too and kill Nazis. But that one yeah. also. But if he was doing it for money, it's like, oh, I don't like this guy. But yeah. if he's doing it for like higher reasons, it feels right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, although higher reasons, quote unquote, like quote unquote. this belongs in a museum. Maybe in its country of origin. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Like Hobby Lobby been fucking with the Middle but, East for a long time. We haven't gotten to talk about cultural appropriation yeah. with Indiana Jones yet. This dude's like, Indiana Jones, I'm rich. Go steal foreign artifacts for me. He's like, yeah, all right. Like, <laughs> this belongs in Marcus Brody's museum. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to talk a little bit about the awesome foreshadowing in this movie that I don't oh. think I've noticed before. But, uh, like, there's the painting 
of the knights walking on mm. air in his dad's apartment. There's the the X never marks the spot line, he says, and then it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there was a painting of the 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 window in his apartment as well. Probably, yeah. Yeah, and then there's the airplane shot that you pointed out, Sam, where he throws... So he throws the Nazi guy out of the blimp, and then we get this unfortunate green screen shot, but <laughs> a green screen shot of the Nazi guy shaking his fist at the blimp, and that's just a all a foreshadowing shot to set up and let us know there's a plane underneath the blimp for them to then steal yeah. later. And so that's just like everything is perfectly set up and paid off throughout this whole movie. And even to the point where I think you could make the argument that the fact that the, um, the German girl is a Nazi or she's not German, Austrian, Austrian. is a Nazi is set up when he first meets her because she said, your dad, when your dad discovered this, he was as giddy as a schoolboy. And he goes, my dad's never been giddy as a schoolboy his whole life. And it's totally a line where it's like, oh, you're lying. Hmm. But Indy's too, like, yeah, I didn't take it that he's way. too wrapped up in her beauty that he, like, just passes by it. But I think you could make the argument that it's foreshadowing, sure, yeah. too. Or yeah. maybe his dad was giddy because he apparently... Didn't know him. That's true. Or yeah. also just got laid by the hot... another parallel i noticed this time around that i hadn't noticed before is when we're uh you see um the two the dual obsessions between father and son like he was going for the cross of coronado Mm -hmm. it lands on a ledge on this like crazy storm on a on a boat and like Mm -hmm. he could have let it go at that point like, it's like, are you really going to, like, blow up this entire boat for this crossing? He doesn't. He gets it, and he he um, succeeds, and he finally wins. And mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, both him and his father have to let this thing go. Right. Yeah. And and turn towards each other rather than away from. And so I, I hadn't noticed that before, but hmm. there was, like, the kind of parallel between It's such both an of them. expert scene. Just oh, absolutely so expert that this relationship pays off that, you know, Sean Connery would do anything and roll over anybody to get to this goal. Mm-hmm. And also, he's been ignoring his son his entire life because of this goal. Yeah. And that makes that scene just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you get the, the classic Spielberg father-son story <laughs> that's in most of the, his movies. Oh, okay. interesting. I've never made that connection before. Mm-hmm. Huh. Interesting. It's a big theme for him. Gotcha. So he has daddy issues, is what you're saying? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a thought about the uh, plants and payoffs. Uh-huh. Um, one thing that I really liked about this, because I noticed a few of them, uh, is the the pacing of the payoffs. Because mm-hmm. uh, we've seen a few other movies recently where I've just been uh, enraged by <laughs> what people think is clever writing. Oh, uh, yeah. And one of them is like uh, in an otherwise good movie, The Martian, mm-hmm. where, where, uh, Matt Damon's like out on Mars, Mars and, 
every like he does a good job and then every time they cut back to earth it's like we're here's the nasa team and like he'll be fine as long as something bad doesn't happen cut to mars the building explodes like yeah. you know and it's yeah. that that's not clever and it's not enough yeah. time for us to even process that it's heavy-handed yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um but then the, the flip of that is there's so many movies that'll do like oh the characters had a conversation in the first scene and then it pays off in the last scene of the movie it's and it's too so long. far removed yeah and this was like it's just enough where it was like oh yeah they did say it. no x never marks the spot ah there it is like yeah. and it fi- it actually felt like a payoff instead of just like the writers being like oh, oh, mm-hmm. one thing leads yeah. to another i think more so <laughs> not just in like how far apart they're spaced but like how the plants are set up like it's just yeah. done really delicately where it's not too heavy-handed but also it doesn't get swept under the rug like mm-hmm. you don't miss it yeah, yeah. The X never marks a spot was a throwaway line. It was funny. And it's a good and, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a good joke. Yeah. yeah. It's just a good guess. Yeah. And I think I, also that they like they keep happening throughout the film. Like a lot of times there's the like you're talking about there's the setup that happens in the beginning and it pays off in the end, but that's like it. And like this was like one after another, like building the tension as you yeah. went, you know? Yeah, even and, oh. Little, oh sorry. Even little jokes like, oh my my dad was a medieval literature professor and then quotes Charlemagne. Oh yeah. And like, mm-hmm. like little things like that. Like there's never like a throwaway line with Spielberg. He just sets every and uses everything that he yeah. sets up. Yeah. And it, yeah. And just not obvious or not super obvious, except for the time when he does it, obviously yeah. it's hilarious with the, he knows 12 languages. Yeah. Like you'll never catch him. <laughs> yeah. Boom. He's right there. You know? <laughs> It's like for a second you're believing him too. You're like, oh God, really? Yeah. Like, that doesn't, yeah. Like, oh, I never oh. really thought of Brody as being such a badass, but yeah, he would be. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Can we also talk about how um, apparently Indiana Jones was the first guy to make bow ties cool? Because he looks good in that bow tie. Does he? Was oh, that yeah. when he was teacher mode? Professor, mm-hmm. yeah, mode. yeah. Got the red bow tie. Just saying, Matt Smith. I, Just saying. I yeah. really love those university scenes. You know, maybe I think part of it is because those are the scenes that you miss when you just see it on TV and it's like, oh, this movie is on and has been oh, on for yeah. the past 15 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, but there's something beautiful about him being grounded and like, okay, he's paying the bills by being a teacher mm-hmm. and these adventures that we see happen every now and then. Happen on does the he, summer breaks. Does he pay yeah. the bills as a teacher or does the school fund his crazy adventure? Yeah, it did sound like when he handed oh. over the cross of Coronado that he expected some sort of payment. Yeah. Yeah, he mentioned that. Yeah. But was that guy associated with the school? I thought he was the dude who... That was Brody. Oh, that was Brody? Okay. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. I will say, you said the fourth Indiana Jones movie is garbage and I'm not disagreeing with you however the beginning of that film again takes place at the college and i really that that beginning of that film i really liked Mm -hmm. and then it went batshit crazy when he got in a fucking refrigerator and flew away but (laughs) (laughs) but the motorcycle chase scene through the college i i loved that i really Mm -hmm. want to see it again and i remember there being some really bad things in that movie but i'm just curious to check it out i am too How, how many years has it been like 2000 sometimes yeah, you say not enough <laughs> sometimes i forget that it happened because i think i blocked it out yeah, yeah. It, as mind. you should as you should <laughs> i don't even remember what it was called that's another one. Oh, crystal that's, skull 
Yeah. There's an ongoing joke with the film school and our fans that Joey and Cherish kept trying to convince everyone that my favorite movie is The Crystal Skull (laughs) just to make me mad. And so now they're just like, oh, no, Lauren loves The Crystal Skull. So I'm sure if anybody of any of them are listening to this, they're like, oh, no, that's Lauren's favorite movie. She's lying. (laughs) She's lying right now. Nine years ago. Really? Wow. Wow. Really? It's actually almost qualified for this. I can't believe that 2008 was nine years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's shocking. I was a wee little freshman in college. Wow. That's crazy. I could never get over how plasticky that skull looked. It just bothered me. It looked very plastic. Yeah. Yeah. They were just chasing (laughs) down uh, (laughs) Dan Aykroyd's vodka. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, that's what I thought the whole movie. I was like, they just have the I wonder vodka. if they designed it that way or if there, enough of them broke that they had to yeah. oh, make plastic ones. I think looking through the uh, IMDb of Steven Spielberg, uh, I may have just seen a lot of Spielberg films in an unfortunate order to have developed my why does Spielberg keep ending things with aliens thought. <laughs> Because the Crystal Skull is where is like I, that's where I was just like this is the this is it yeah Spielberg just loves just ending shit with aliens for no reason and it's pissing <laughs> okay, me so off. So when did he do it? AI, AI Crystal Skull, Crystal Skull. Uh, you can't you can't say e. War of the Worlds because no, it started with aliens. <laughs> no, well, but it's still there's like a lot of aliens in it. Um, oh yeah, that was really weird in Lincoln how that ended with aliens. Right? Yeah, yeah. right. The, then I there's didn't like expect some the shooter to be produces. an alien. Yeah. <laughs> stuff that he produces also, like, so even if if he's not in behind the, the camera, uh, there's there just seems to be a lot of aliens yeah. in Spielberg movies. Super <laughs> the movies that are exclusively yeah. about aliens. Oh, Percentage-wise. Yeah. yeah, Super 8. But did he direct that? I don't I think, think he had anything to do, except no, I think he has a producer felt... credit after the fact. Yeah, it felt Spielberg-y. Like, yeah. they tried it. It didn't have the right emotional connection to it i thought it was great i don't know that it's quite spielberg level yeah i like but it's like style but it did what stranger things did even better Mm -hmm. it's like the people making this movie like me love spielberg Mm -hmm. and and for that reason it was very fun Mm -hmm. but i agree it didn't i didn't emotionally connect with the characters in that one yeah so i guess it was a good movie huh guys yeah (laughs) and and John Williams, man, I don't, I don't know what to say. Yeah, like, uh, this, this is a perfect comparison because we just watched the original Spider-Man, and this was, I love this themes. so much better than yeah. than the score, which I know mm. is John Williams again, but like, and, and I think a perfect example of that is when they see the etching of the Ark on mm. the wall, and what is this? It's the Ark of the Covenant, and we hear the theme of the Ark from Raiders of the Lost Ark oh. for just four seconds oh wow and it's like oh i love that theme so much and then it's like nope we're moving on you know wow yeah they played the temple of doom theme a little bit did they when he was on the um hanging off the The tank tank. okay and like Uh, going into the wall i'm guessing to be like the stone you know getting closer yeah Yeah. Hmm. but it's also like listening to john williams stuff uh there's a few like brass arrangement parts where it's just like, oh, like that, those are, that's like a series of notes from like Star Wars that are in this. Yeah. But then, like, yeah. but combined with the indie score, and it's not that he's borrowing from Star Wars. I think it's just that John Williams has like tapped into his vocabulary. Yeah. It's his, it's but his you know what? signature sound. Michael Giacchino is very guilty of this. 
because watching Doctor Strange, I swear to God, I heard the theme from the the new Star Trek movie. Oh yeah, I'm like, are you really ripping yourself off in this <laughs> score right now? Yeah. yeah, no, I don't think John Williams is ripping himself off, but I. It's but he has just, a vocabulary. Yeah, and it's just mm-hmm. it's just interesting to hear how well his sound works yeah. in such wildly different genres like yeah. or, or it, maybe not different genres because they're both kind of actiony adventure but it's more like th- space and then like the middle east and yeah that it's it's a sound then, that just ma- makes you feel what you're supposed to feel at the time mm-hmm. and if you listen to the score for superman which is another absolute masterpiece it's that same vocabulary it does sound very similar to star wars yeah. I'm wondering if this is the same shot. I noticed it on there's a wide shot of the blimp when they said they're turning around and we cut to an exterior of the blimp turning around. And that was a moment where I was like, oh, this sounds a little Star Warsy, you know? <laughs> there were a couple guy. scenes with like a Nazi or a bad guy coming up that mm-hmm. had a little Vader. Yeah, it seemed yeah. like when it was a bad guy was when it got a little Star Warsy. Well, they, him and Lucas have a couple inside jokes like that. Like the, the, both the Rancor and the T Rex have the the bite bite turn to the camera okay um and i remember that seeing that i was like why does that sound familiar or look familiar and it's like the same like little oh funny like there's like little tiny things in that yeah but they both are just teasing each other i think my my favorite story from lucas and spielberg being buddies is that they were making close encounters in star wars at the same time and they were both convinced that their movies were going to flop and yeah. just as a buddy thing to support each other, they gave each other 1% of each other's movies. Aww. So Lucas has 1% of Close Encounters. Mm-hmm. Spielberg has 1% of Star Wars. Does he still, I, I'm sure he had to so, sell out to Disney. Yeah. But that's a long time to own yeah, 1% of Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> you never have to go to work again if you no. own 1% also, of Star Wars. it was Wars. sold for like how many billions? And what's I've... 1% of 5 billion? Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember, but there was another very similar deal like that that Spielberg had tucked away that earns him. Oh, he gets a percentage of the Jurassic Park theme park rides. Really? Yeah. I think George Lucas a very also gets small percentage. merchandising because I think he negotiated okay. like because of his directing contract or something, he negotiated like back end stuff, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. which – turned out to be much more than his initial directing fee. Yeah. 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 How, how does that work though? How do you get a percentage for the Jurassic Park ride? Do they like some sort of ticket sales? But it's a ticket into the park, right? So they've got to have some math. I yeah. Guess so. I'm sure it has to do with ticket sales versus how many people they let on the ride, which they have counts of. Yeah. Fairly know? accurate counts of that. Oh, yeah. But it's uh, what I was reading. It said he they they could buy him out for a couple billion dollars, or just let this ride, and you know he gets a nickel every time you ride the Jurassic Park wow. ride. Wow, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So the day they replace it, which would be a sad, sad day. Oh yeah. yeah. Hopefully they never will. Like they replaced Back to the Future with The Simpsons. Yeah. Aww. I'm so bummed I never got to do the Back to the Future I ride. Never did either. It- was busted by the time they got uh, like there was a, there was a golden time. age and yeah at the time mm. it come. the one i'm really <laughs> sad about is never being able to do tower of terror again 
Yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah, I like the Guardians well, of the Galaxy. Technically, but it's the same. Is ride. it the same ride? They, they just reskinned it and they uh, remapped the actual movement of the ride. Oh, so it's did a different. They? It's a different thing. But it had a story. But it still goes. Yeah, I mean, it still goes up and down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's only one rail. <laughs> but that's what's great about Disney rides is they have a story, and I love Twilight. So yeah, you would love. Brett, cut this out. Side town tangent. But you would love, we went to this escape uh, room in LA called um, you told me Hotel about that. Escape, escape, hotel. escape Hotel. And the lobby looks like the Tower of Terror's lobby. Oh, yeah, yeah that's it's pretty really cool. great. Okay. So, any regrets, you guys? I think we watched a great Spielberg movie. Do no we f- feel like this was a good example of Spielberg? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was the more fun and playful side of Spielberg, mm-hmm. okay. I would say. Yeah, I think when I normally think of Spielberg, I think of, like, Jaws or E.T., Oh, you I know? think of, like, serious, Ser- like, Saving Private so, yeah. Ryan and Schindler's List. You Fortress don't immediately Spies. go to Jurassic Park? I should. Yeah. <laughs> now that you mention it. For some reason, when I think of Spielberg, all I think is, like, obvious animatronic puppets. Uh, because of what the, the hell are you talking about? Because of the theme park, uh, like remember the ET ride? No, no. Oh Can I God. go to there? Where was the ET ride? Was that a Universal? It was uh, it's Universal in... Orlando. They used to be here. Though. No, there was I one in NorCal. Is it like oh, there's okay. a kid with a bike America. and a basket, and you have to sit in the basket? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. The park? And, yeah. And you, but the 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 bike flies and like. You're, Wait a minute! And, I'm joking. You, no, sit, you're you right. seriously sit yeah, in a you're basket. On the, yes. Yeah, and, well, you know, you bike. sit on the bike, and then you're right. You're flying the bike through the the forest, and like it was, it was super cool. It's like soaring over California, but you're on a bike. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, Universal Studios gives me this gives me this memory of like. Uh, they have the the puppets, and there was there was only one in this, which was the final snake he hits on the train in the beginning, yeah. Yeah. and it's like yeah. fake snake. And, <laughs> uh, well, but there had like, to be. yeah, and so I was like, oh, there's there it is, there's that Spielbergy like, there's an awesome scary thing, but it's a puppet. Uh, That's a weird. It shade is, to throw and it's Spielberg. It's, I don't want it to be shade. It's just like a very. Uh, like tied into the way I experienced Spielberg as as a child, which was E.T. and the E.T. ride and uh, and like Jurassic Park, and those were like that was it. That I didn't see other Spielberg stuff. And this uh, the thing was was I remember you know back in the day it didn't like necessarily look like a puppet. It was like whoa, you know, like for example the face melting scene. I remember that being so scary when I was, and honestly, it's still. It's kind of terrifying yeah. when his eyeballs like oh, roll yeah. back into his head. Yeah. Ugh. But there's there is something about that like style of uh, I I feel you. He's he's the one who does that, mm-hmm. and like it's not bad. It's just that's that's his thing. And yeah. In my head, I'm like that's that's what Spielberg is to me. Is like at some point some shit's gonna go down <laughs> in like a crazy animated, not quite real way, and like it's it's there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the aliens in Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> They're all puppets. <laughs> uh. So yeah, I I think this cements the fact that. You know, he was such an important part of our childhood, such an important part of what we think of as great movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think for me, he's a huge percentage of what made me fall in love with movies to begin with. You know, since I was that age for E.T. and that was just unbridled magic. Yeah, I think the, the when I had seen 
I think after I seen Bridge of Spies, um, which I loved, yeah. that was beautiful. Yeah. Um, I was trying to explain the Spielberg feeling to one of my friends, and I was like, mm-hmm. Spielberg, like Spielberg's like a the cinematic equivalent of a home cooked meal. Like you, yeah. you want to go out, you want to try stuff, and it's really good. And you eat at these fancy places, and some of it is shit, and some of it's not. But then you can come home, and it's just like, oh yeah, this is. I remember why I love this. Yeah. There's it's just like very a nourishing vibe to it. It's like yeah. coming home. Yeah. 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 Totally. I, I think that's, that's the perfect sentiment to finish off with. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lauren, you have, you're going to have to spell your Twitter handle for us for people yes. looking for more information um, for you. It's at Laurasaurus Rex. So it's L A U R A S A U R. U-S-R-E-X. <laughs> I had to remember like how many letters are in there. Um, and of course, Rocket Jump Film School. That's going to yeah. be like, that's yeah, where that's people find you. Yeah, that's on YouTube. And most Rocket Jump productions have have gone through your eye. Yeah, a, a good a good chunk of them, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. I, yeah, you've given us a ton me. of insight. You've taught us a little bit. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you uh, if you like the show, this is part of the Last Dash TV network of content. It's the podcast and a YouTube channel where we've got a uh, cooking show and a drinking show and video game parodies and lots of fun stuff. Yes. You can find that. Did you already say the name of the... I'm sorry. I wasn't listening to you. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find us on YouTube. We're Last Dash TV. Um, and I'm trying to think if anything fun is coming out soon. Probably not because we're still doing the contest. Maybe. Oh, cut this out if we're not still doing the contest by the time. This yeah, it might be a few weeks. Might mm-hmm. not. Never mind. Rephrase. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you can find us on YouTube. We're Laugh TV. And we're also on Twitter at Laugh TV. Or you can follow this podcast, which is at Let's Rewatch. And we just want to say thank you to everyone tweeting at us, like James and a bat named Gordon who said, I fucking love the analysis that Let's Rewatch gives on Chasing Amy, A-plus content. So thanks so much for that. Thanks. Uh, Mitchopedia, and of course, Ralph, who will forever be our fan. Thank you, Ralph. Um, unless someday... Don't don't leave us, Ralph. Don't leave us. <laughs> <laughs> and be sure to check out Twitter, either the episode immediately after this or before this, depending on how we release, the movie is determined by a Twitter poll. Yes. So. Yeah. So we, we occasionally will, um, we will post polls and you get to vote on which movie we watch. So we just did one for police Academy one. So that's the next one we'll be recording. And if you liked our podcast, please give us a review on iTunes or Google play music. Is there anything else you'd like to leave us with, Lauren? Anything else we should check out from you? Um, I don't know. <laughs> no, you should watch all of her stuff because it's really great. Check out Rocket Jump. <laughs> if you want to, if you haven't watched it, if you want to see how Rocket Jump makes our shorts or how just the indie film in general works, Rocket Jump the show came out a couple mm. years ago. On yeah, Hulu? on Hulu. Mm-hmm. On Hulu, and it's just us being complete dorks and making movies. So if you guys are interested in behind the scenes. That's what it's about. And it's really great. I love how the show basically breaks down. The first half is a behind-the-scenes documentary about how they made it. And mm-hmm. then the second half is the short. And so yeah. it's it's really great because then you're, like, super invested mm-hmm. in the short by the time you yeah, see it. Yeah, you want it to work. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. And then our newest show is also on Hulu. It's Dimension 404. It's like a modern Twilight Zone. It's like Mm -hmm. a lot of people are describing it as Black Mirror, but you don't want to kill yourself afterwards. (laughs) It's it's fun. It's fun and lighthearted, but still weird and twisted and sci-fi. And And you guys have an episode with Patton Oswalt, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. His is great. Mm Mm-hmm. He's wonderful. You probably really like they sh- you shot yeah, at the dome, right? I didn't even right? know about this. Sh- or you didn't personally, I didn't. but I think so. I think they shot at the arc light in the dome or something. Uh, or, don't remember, or maybe not. There's some like shots that, that might look be like bullshit. Okay, okay, <laughs> all right. Well, bullshit meter. We have yeah, we have Patton Oswalt. We have Constance Wu, which we are really excited about. Oh, cool. I love her. Um, we have some really cool people. Mark oh. Hamill narrates it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the guy from um, from iZombie. Right? He's oh, in yeah. Um, Forget his name. I know his character name is Adam. He's in the first episode. Yeah. <laughs> You'll see him. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So make sure your feed is all up to date and recommend the show to your friends. We'll be back in another two weeks with another episode of Let's Rewatch. Yeah. Next time, we're going to watch Attack of the Killer Refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> the Indiana Jones story. I can't wait to see what's inside. <laughs> <laughs>